0: Well, good evening, everybody. Welcome to New Hope Church. We're so glad that you're joining us here live in person, as well as for those of you online. We're so glad you're joining and tuning in right now. And right now, we're going to get ready to receive our tithes and offerings. And can I just say, aren't you grateful that God is who he says he is? Like, that he never, I love the fact that over our sanctuary, we have Jesus Christ remains the same yesterday, today, and forever. Because I gonna I admit, there's some days where man, life is good, and then there's days where man, life is not so good. But one thing that always remains good is God. And that's why it's such a great thing that we get to uh, see what he's doing in the lives of his people. And so we're going to pray for our tithes and offerings. So would you buy your heads with me as we do that? Lord, we just come before you right now, Lord. And Lord, we are so grateful that you are our good God. That, Lord, you love us in ways that we'll never understand. And yet, even in our, in our failures and even in our mistakes, you're still there wanting us and Lord there's many of us here that we have a relationship with you but there's far more people that don't have a relationship with you and so Lord tonight as we pray for our tithes and offerings Lord we pray and we give it to you Lord knowing that you're going to take it and that you're going to multiply it so that those who don't know you would begin to have a relationship with you Lord we pray right now Lord that there's a world in dire need of hope peace and love and in you they can find it all and so much more and so i pray that you bless the hearts of those who give and let them know that what they're doing right now is partnering with you so that more and more people would would come to know you as lord and savior thank you god for being who you are we love you and we look forward to what you're going to do in the lives of your people in jesus name and we all said Amen. amen amen As I know, there's four ways that you can give. It should be on the screen right there. There's also, for those of you here live in person, we have our tithing offering boxes in the back of the sanctuary. Pastor Marcia is here, and she's gonna share tonight's message, and I'm looking forward to it. Would you give it up for Pastor Marcia?
1: Thank you, Pastor Ben, and thank you to the worship team. So, you know, it's already the middle of September. Like, the kids are back in school, and nobody's going anywhere because you gotta stay close because the kids are in school. But I'll be honest, we actually stopped going places because gas prices were going higher and higher. And you know, you'd know, go to put gas in the car, and then you keep seeing the thing spinning and spinning and spinning. And it's was like, oh, I don't like that. So we started staying at home. But th- this isn't my first go around. See, I remember being a kid and living in Florida when Toyotas first came out. You guys, am I the only one old enough to remember that? Like, Toyotas first came out, it was this big thing about these small cars. Because before that, everybody had these big, V8s or whatever. And so my parents were so excited. They bought a yellow Toyota Corolla. And then my dad decided, hey, let's see you know, this whole thing about miles per gallon. So he decided, hey, let's check this out. So he loads all four of his kids into this little car, my mom, and we go driving. And he's going to see how far this will take us. So on the way back, we're on this super long bridge. Like, it's long. It's, I, don't, I don't remember the name of the bridge, but it was long. And I kid you not, in the middle of the bridge, the gas ran out. Yeah, so he's pulling over and all that. And now my dad, because okay, when I was like eight, there was no cell phones. So the only thing he could do was this. So he's got to hitchhike to a gas station and come back to put gas in the car. And while we're all sitting in the car, making my mom a little nuts because there were four of us kids, um, a police officer pulls over. Now, he's not happy to see that this isn't an emergency, but somebody's lack of planning. So my dad shows up, the police officer scolds him, and pretty much it's like, you know what? You have got to watch the gas gauge, and don't ever put your family in this kind of position again. I don't ever want to see you run out of gas on a bridge again. Now, isn't that true? Like, we have to keep watching gauges to make sure things don't run out. My husband just put a Paloma, well, not just. We've had it for a while. He put a Paloma onto our, we bypass the water tank, and we have a Paloma that heats up the water. So it's really great because you have hot water on demand. So if you want to wash dishes, you can take your time. You want to take a shower, you can take your time. And it's really great except for when you run out of gas. Then the water's not heated anymore. So like when you have a gas tank and the water's, running out, you have a warning, right? Because then the water starting to get warm. And you can either turn down the cold water, or you make sure that, oh, man, we're going to run out of water, wash all the hot, greasy stuff first. You got shampoo in here, wash that out. But if you have a Paloma, it's done. It doesn't matter. It's cold. It's run out. It's empty. Now, we can make sure that doesn't happen, because you just got to check the gas tank and make sure. But you know, life happens, right? And you don't check the gas until somebody ends up with cold water. And that happens not just with gas in your car or gas for a Paloma. It happens like when you go to get eggs out of the refrigerator and maybe your teenage grandson ate it all, right? Don't you hate that? Like you go to the refrigerator and you go to get stuff and it's gone because somebody ate it and nobody told you? Or you get the toothpaste and you go to squeeze it out and somebody used it all and no matter how much you squeeze it, there's no toothpaste. See, when you run out, you run out. And no matter what you do, there just isn't any more until you refill or replenish it. Now, the best thing you can do to avoid that is, like I said, be aware. Watch and make sure that you keep things you need replenished, because when you run out, you're done. You've got to make a last-minute run to something. Well, just as important as it is to make sure things at home, your gas, your eggs, your bread, your milk, whatever is refilled and stocked, we need to make sure that our souls are stocked. We need to make sure that our souls are filled. And just as we can deplete resources in our homes, we can actually deplete our souls. And that's scary. Because somebody once said, our souls are so central to who we are, that when our souls are not well, nothing else can be either. So tonight, I want to address the health of our souls. And to be honest, that's really not something we think about often. Now, have you ever noticed when you ask somebody how they're doing? It's like, oh, yeah, doing good. The kids are busy. They're in sports. We've been going to the beach a lot. Oh, great. Got a new job. I'm hoping to get a promotion soon. We're doing good, you know, things are going well, keeping busy, the family's fine, everything's going good. So we tend to think that when things are happening on the outside is good, that things are going well inside. However, family, the goals we've reached, the recognition that we have, money, our achievements, none of these mean that our soul is healthy. And to be the people that God created us to be To be able to bring his hope to this world, our souls have to be healthy. So in the time that we have tonight, I want to ask you, how's your soul? See, the Greek word for soul is psyche. That's where we get the word psychology. And you can say that our souls are our inner being, the part that shapes our personalities and character. It's the part of us that responds to and relates to other people. Our souls involve our minds and our emotions. It's our souls that respond to beauty and to high ideas. You could say that our soul is the center of who we are. And it's this part of us, along with our intellect and our emotions, along with our spirit, that will spend eternity with God in his kingdom. And so we cannot let our souls be empty or untended. We need to care for our souls the writer of Proverbs instructs us, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. So before we leave tonight, I want to unwrap two things that we can do to um, tend our souls and to care for them. So if you're taking notes, and if you're on an app, you can pull that up. The first thing you do is place yourself in the presence of God. Now, if you've been here or you've watched us online, you've heard us all stand up here. Every one of us pastors at different times will tell you how important it is to spend time with God. How important it is to be opening your Bible and to be reading it. How important it is to be doing your devotions or to be in prayer. And those things are good. We need to do that so we can get to know God and to know his heart. And it's something that we need to do on a daily basis. But all these things are not a one and done thing. When I pray in the morning, when I read my Bible, that's not it. I'm not done. Because throughout the day, we need to make intentional choices that position us to be in the presence of God. It's not just when I get up in the morning and do my devotions that I'm in the presence of God all day. It's not that when I um, read my Bible, now I'm in the presence of God all day. It has to be an intentional conscious choice that i do throughout the day now one of my favorite accounts in the bible is zacchaeus now you can find his story in chapter 9 of the book of luke in the new testament see zacchaeus is a tax collector but not only was he a tax collector he was the chief tax collector in jericho like he was the boss of all tax collectors and the jewish people hated tax collectors Because not only were the tax collectors working in tandem with a very hated Roman government, but the way it worked was, if you're a tax collector, as long as you got Rome their money, you could add on whatever you want to the people to pay you. And so tax collectors became very rich off of taxing their own people. So Zacchaeus was probably a very rich man. He was also probably a very lonely man because they didn't like tax collectors. Well, one day Zacchaeus heard that Jesus would be passing through Jericho. And something in him stirred, and he wanted to see this man that he'd heard so much about. So he went to see Jesus and to see what all this fuss was about. But he was short, and he wouldn't be able to see Jesus through the crowd. And besides that, because of his status, there was nobody who was going to be kind to him or let him come to the front. So Zacchaeus decided that what he would do was put himself in position. And Luke wrote this. He wrote that he tried to get a look at Jesus, but it was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass by that way. And when Jesus came by, he looked up, and he saw Zacchaeus and he called him by name Zacchaeus quick come down I must be a guest at your house today see Zacchaeus experienced more than he planned to he wanted to see Jesus and he positioned himself in a way that he would be able to do it he climbed up in a tree so when Jesus walked by he'd be able to see Jesus but what happened was Jesus saw him Jesus saw him and called him by name. Now, Jesus had, Zacchaeus had heard every, a lot about Jesus, and he wanted to see for himself if everything was true. So he put himself in this place, but Jesus saw him. And not only did Jesus see him, but then Jesus goes and invites himself to Zacchaeus' house. And there was something about being seen by Jesus, about being noticed by Jesus, about having Jesus call his name, and about Jesus inviting himself to his home that something happened in Zacchaeus' soul. He became changed and he declared, I will give half my wealth to the poor, Lord, and if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Now, As I thought about Zacchaeus making the effort to climb a sycamore tree, I realized there's a lot I can learn from this man. This man who was so hated by those around him. And the first thing that I learned is he had to leave. See, he had to leave his tax collector's booth in order to climb a tree. If he stayed in the booth, he would have missed Jesus. So he had to decide to leave it and to go. For Zacchaeus, leaving the tax collector booth was a big thing. And to be honest, every one of us have to make that same decision several times each day in smaller but still very impactful areas. For instance, when I'm out shopping and I get impatient with other shoppers and I'm grumbling about them, can I put myself in the presence of God while I'm grumbling and complaining? If Tom, my spouse, or a friend disappoints me, can I position myself to be in the presence of God while I'm holding on to my anger? Or while gossiping about others, am I positioning myself to be near God? See, Zacchaeus had to move away from something in order to put himself in place to be close to Jesus. And we need to do the same thing. We need to move away from some things in order to position ourselves close enough to be with God. So what are they? What do we need to move away from to put ourselves in position to see God? Jesus, the half-brother of Jesus. Jesus is Jesus. James, the half-brother of Jesus, said this. He said, come close to God and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. See, James is saying, move away from some of your mindsets. Move away from some of the things and the the decisions that you're making, some of the culture that you're buying into, some of the thoughts and the beliefs that you have. Move away from them and move towards God. It could be something major, like an addiction or a situation that you're in. It could be a friend or a group of friends. It could be a habit. It could be something minor and yet impactful throughout the day. Okay, I promise you, when I was working on this message and I was thinking about, okay, i got to position myself before God. What are the things I need to move away from? What do I need to do so I'm not grumbling and I can be in the position to see God? Throughout the day, Things kept popping up, and people kept wanting things and needing things, I kept having to jump up and go take care of this and take care of that, and then I started grumbling and complaining, like, oh, God, how am I supposed to write this message? This person keeps doing this, this person keeps talking to me, this person keeps, going. what do you want me to do? How am I gonna write this message? And I'm like, oh my goodness. I am not positioned to see God. How in the world am I gonna write a message to share with people about seeing God when I'm grumbling and complaining about God's people? See, I had to keep reminding myself that if I stayed in my frustration, I would not be in position to see God. And I had to make a constant choice that day to move away from that frustration. So what is it for you? What do you need to leave to put yourself in that position? see not only did Zacchaeus position himself to see God the other thing he did was when Jesus called him by name and when Jesus saw him and when Jesus invited himself to Zacchaeus' house that became his value not what other people said about him not what the people thought about him not how they felt about him Jesus' invitation defined Zacchaeus' value. And Jesus valued Zacchaeus enough to notice him, to stop everything, to have a conversation with him and invite himself to Zacchaeus's home. But the people were grumbling and they were complaining about the intention that Jesus gave Zacchaeus. Luke records in verse 7, But the people were displeased. He has, gone to be the, he has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner. They grumbled. See, Zacchaeus already knew how the crowd thought of him. That's why he was in the tree in the first place. However, when Jesus looked up and saw him and invited himself to his home, Zacchaeus felt valued. Jesus wanted to be with him. Zacchaeus drew near to Jesus. And then Jesus turned around and honored him. Jesus honored Zacchaeus. That was life-changing for him. Now, whatever people said about him would have no power over him to determine his worth because from now on, Jesus' decision determined his worth. Now, I don't know about you, but that's definitely something that I need to learn from Zacchaeus because there's too many times that I have argued with doubts and insecurity. There's too many times that I've said to myself, you know, if they really only knew, then this. Or I just don't have it in me to do this. Do you wrestle with those kind of thoughts? Am I the only one? See, we tend to wrap our worth and our value in what others say about us What they believe about us and what they think about us. However, our worth and value is not based on what others know about us or say about us. We're worthy and we're valuable because Jesus loves us and he sees us and he chooses to be with us. The Apostle Paul said it this way But God is so rich in his mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead it is only by God's grace that you have been saved Jesus said you didn't choose me I chose you I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so as the father will give you whatever you ask for using my name See, Jesus sees me, and he sees you, and he sees you online. He sees you. He sees us, and he chooses to be with us. He chooses to be close to us, to value us, to love us, and to stand close enough to us to make us worthy. And when we're positioned to be in in God's presence, He sees everything about us. And when we're in that place, we're positioned for his intimate involvement in our lives, which is the second thing we need to do to take care of our souls. And the second thing is yoke yourself to Jesus. See, we were never meant to carry burdens alone. When God first created the world, the only thing he called not good was that man was alone. So he created a woman, someone to come alongside the man and be a helper. See, we're never meant to carry burdens alone. And then when Jesus came, he invited us to share our burdens with him. Once Jesus was talking to the crowds that followed him, and he invited them by saying, come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest." Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. See, when Jesus calls us to take his yoke upon us, he's not adding more to our burden. He's not making things harder. He's not making things more difficult. He's lightening our load. See, the Greek word, the word yoke in the Greek is zugos, and it refers to a wooden yoke that joined two animals together so they could combine strength to pull a load that was too heavy for one animal to pull alone. And that's exactly what Jesus is offering us. Our loads are too heavy to bear alone. And he offers his yoke and he'll pull it along with us. There are some things that we just can't carry alone and we need help And we need to be wise enough to ask for it and to accept it. About a week ago, my husband and I were out working in the yard. And we'd been out there all day, and it was getting kind of hot. It was probably maybe about 4.35, you know, sun's starting to go down. And I thought, you know, it's going to be really cool because we're hot. We should have a picnic out in the backyard. So we have this table. It's about this big, and it's got a glass inset, and it's got a puka, So you can put an umbrella in that, and then the umbrella goes through that glass puka and then into the frame, into that puka, and it holds the umbrella up. And we have this umbrella that has solar lights. So I thought, man, we should set that up. We should have a picnic dinner out there. So he's busy doing all this stuff, and I go over and I grab the table. I'm going to turn it on its side so I can carry it and hold the glass in. And he looks over and he goes, if you carry it like that, you're going to break it. So he picks up the table and he moves it to where I wanted it, and then I'm watching him, and then when he's busy, I go and grab the umbrella, which is heavy. And I'm carrying it over to the, and I'm gonna put it in the puka so that we can have this thing, this dinner. And the umbrella's heavy, and I'm carrying it, and I'm trying to put it in the glass puka, and it's too heavy, so I rest it on my shoulder, and I'm kind of moving it over, and I get it into the glass, but now I gotta get it into the um, frame on the bottom to hold it in so it doesn't... And I'm doing that, and it slipped. And then all of a sudden, psh, And there's glass, like, because of safety glass. Those things, they, wah, All over the grass. Like, I have glass on the grass. And I'm looking at it, and I'm like, okay, now I gotta tell Tom. So I yell across the yard, I broke the table. <laughs> and he goes... You know, that's where the kids run barefoot to go in the pool. I go, yeah, I know. So I get a bucket and I'm down there and I'm trying to pick up all these big pieces of glass. And it was like, it was massive. And I'm picking it up and I'm I'm sitting there, and I'm going, I'm gonna be here till Jesus comes. <laughs> I'm gonna be here till after Jesus comes. He's gonna leave me behind to pick up this. This is I don't know. And I'm picking it up and I'm getting really <laughs> discouraged because there's a lot of glass. And then I hear this noise, and Tom's coming out with a shop vac. I was going to take a picture, but I thought he'd be mad at me because I broke the table. But he's out there in the grass with a shop vac vacuuming up all the glass that I broke. So here's the thing. I was so thankful to see him. I should have asked for help with the umbrella. That would have been the smart thing. But if you guys know me, I'm not that smart. I do things the hard way, and then I'm really thankful for the help afterwards. That's how I live my life. But here's the thing. See, I was trying to carry something that was too heavy for me, and I was too stubborn to ask for help. And because I didn't ask for help, I broke the table, and I made this huge mess that was seriously overwhelming. But in the midst of being overwhelmed, Tom came out to help, and I felt really relieved and grateful to see him. And that's a picture of what caring for our souls should look like. See, when things are too heavy to carry, or they're too hard to maneuver, if we try to do it on our own strength, we can make a bigger, overwhelming mess. You ever experienced that? If you guys watch football, we experienced it Monday night, because that was a dumb decision. (laughs) You do not kick a 64-yard field goal when you got Russell Wilson. But I told What? what? You had time left on the clock? You had a timeout? What in the world? And he says, you know what? I bet you the coach was tired. And when he was tired, he made a stupid... Okay, I don't know if I can say stupid. He made a bad decision. (laughs) And sometimes that's what we do. We carry a load we shouldn't carry. And we get ourselves into a position where we make a decision that's not wise. And you kick a 64-yard field goal and you got Russell Wilson as your quarterback. And I don't even like Russell Wilson. I'm a Niner fan. But even I knew that was not wise. (laughs) But you don't want to do that. You don't want to make an overwhelming mess because you're stubborn. Have you ever done that? The situation you're facing just seems so insurmountable. It's heavy. It's hard to maneuver your thoughts, your emotions. But instead of asking for help, you think, I'm just going to do it on my own. Or maybe you are right now in the midst of that. You're doing it on your own. So let me ask you, how's that working for you? See, for some reason, whether it's pride, or we don't think it's that big a deal, or we feel others have it worse than us, or maybe we don't know how to ask, we try to carry things on our own. Or maybe we forgot or maybe we think that Jesus means that for someone else but definitely not me but we're very much a part of his invitation he wants us to come to him come to me all you who are weary and heavy burdened we don't have to carry the load ourselves we weren't meant to Jesus helps us he sends his body the church to help us And as a part of the body of Christ, we get to support each other in hard times and to carry one another's burdens. And just as we need to be available for each other in tough times, we also need to be able to ask for others to come alongside us when we're the ones in need of support or prayer or a shoulder to cry on. And that's what genuine community is all about. That's how we care for our souls. In a letter to the church in Galatia, the apostle Paul instructed them, share each other's burdens and in the same way, obey the law of Christ. Share each other's burdens. Come alongside each other. Let's combine our strength to carry a burden that is too much for one person to carry alone. I'm going to close with this. Just within the last couple of weeks, I found myself in this place where I felt overwhelmed. It seemed as if one thing after another was happening to those around me that I loved and cared for. And it felt like every time I picked up my phone and looked at the text, someone in the circle of friends needed extra love, they needed support, or they needed prayer. There are some major issues going going on around me. And I remember praying. And at one point, I was praying, and I'm like, Lord, I am praying for all these things. I'm asking you for all these miracles. I'm asking you to be involved in all of these things. And I forgot to ask you to show me what you're doing. Because I got so busy caring about other people that I forgot to care about my soul. And then I began to feel depleted. And there were times that I would say, my soul is weary. I felt like I had nothing left to give to anyone. And there was this time when I was in the middle of this thing that was just, it was emotionally wrenching. And I was saying, "Larry, I'm so empty. But in the midst of it, I had two friends that were texting me. One was saying, I don't know how to pray for you, but I'm praying in the Spirit. And she texted that several times. I'm just praying in the Spirit for you. I'm praying in the Spirit. And then I had another friend, she would text, and she goes, hey, when you get back, stop by my house. Just stop by my house and come hang out. You need to decompress. Just come to my house. Just hang out. See, God put people into my life to let me know that I wasn't alone. And I didn't have to carry my burden alone. I had this community that surrounded me. And I got to position myself close to Jesus. And then I put myself in a position where I could be yoked to Him. And believe me, while I was yoked to Him, I prayed, I grumbled, I cried. I said, This isn't fair. And I told him, I don't get this. Life is too unfair. Why are things happening the way they do? And in the midst of that, Jesus did not turn his back on me. He comforted me with his presence. We'll have times when our souls feel weary, but Jesus is faithful. And he says, come to me, you who are weary and heavy burdened and I will give you rest. He says, hey, come. Position yourself to see me because when you position yourself to see me, you're going to notice that I see you and I value you and I want to be with you and I'm going to invite myself to be a part of your life. I'm going to put my yoke on you, but not to make it heavy, but to make your burden lighter because you're not meant to carry that alone. come to me, receive my rest. So let me ask you, how's your soul? We're gonna um, prepare to end this evening and I asked Pastor Ben to sing a song. And as he comes, he's gonna sing it as well. But during this time that he's singing, I want you to just pause. And I want you to ask. I want you to talk to God. And I want you to ask him, hey, how am I doing really? Not on the outside, but how am I doing really? And how is it that I need to come close to you and yoke myself to you? And where do I need to see that I'm not alone, that you've given me a genuine community to love me? So as he sings this song, think about the words. But also think about how's my soul? And then I'll come back up and pray, okay?
2: Far be it from me to not believe, even when my eyes can't see, and this mountain that's in front. Do it all. and we
1: That's our prayer. Lord, we pray that we would remember that it is well with us because you are with us. You've said to us to take your yoke upon us because you are going to help us carry burdens that are beyond anything that we can carry. So teach us, Lord God, teach us to tend to our souls. Teach us to be refilled, refreshed, and renewed, to keep our eyes focused on you. Teach us to position ourselves to see you and that in that to experience. Your love, your value, your acceptance. Help us to remember, Lord, that you see us, you call us by name, and you equip us. And so, Lord God, may we be a people who are filled with you. May we be a people whose souls are well. And then may we go out and may we bring your hope, your truth, your value, your love your acceptance to those around us. May we be a picture of genuine community and genuine health. We pray this all in the name of Jesus who came and gave his life for us. Amen? Amen. Well, God bless you guys. Have a wonderful week. We'll see you on Sunday. Go out and take care of your soul. And more than that, go help somebody bear their burdens. God bless you guys.